Good morning, Firewheel Bible Fellowship. Hey, it's good to see everybody this morning. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name's Kevin Davis, and I am one of the elders here at Firewheel, and I'm also one of our teachers here on Sunday morning. You know, I was thinking this morning um, about something, and um, someone in our class talked about how much they enjoy Sundays here. I want to say something. Church is fun, all right? So it's so, the so church... Church, church is fun, and so starting on Monday morning, I'm looking forward to being here, and it's so good to be with you here today in person. A special hello to those of you who are watching us online as well, but I'm so grateful to be here in person with our brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do worship you, Father. We praise you, Lord, because you are worthy, Father, of all praise, glory, and honor. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Lord. We thank you. Uh, for Firewheel Bible Fellowship. We thank you most of all for the cross, for the forgiveness of our sins, for our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that our music today, that the message by Pastor Chris, that our interaction with one another would glorify your name and that you would be pleased. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. Good morning, everyone. If you'd all please rise and join us in song this morning.
You know, there is, there's nothing better. When Christians come together in unity and with one voice, we declare the greatness of Jesus. Amen? Okay, so this morning, uh, if we've not met, my name is Chris Carroll, and I'm the lead pastor here at Firewall Bible Fellowship. We are glad you are here today if you are visiting with us. Uh, we have opportunity this morning to have communion. And it is this one time uh, during the week where we as believers get to come together and we gather around a table. And in fact, we have three tables set up on each side of the auditorium this morning. And, and we're going to, in a moment, uh, we're going to get up from our seats and we're going to go to the table. And the table is, it's, it's a reflection of something very, very ancient. Where we're tapping into ancient roots, but it's bringing about present day fruit in our lives. It is a table of remembrance. Where we remember as believers, Christ sacrificed for our sins, that he suffered and died on the cross. And that he was buried, his body was broken. And just this morning, I was in my own personal devotions reading through the resurrection accounts through the gospels. And, and I was reminded of just the beauty and the simplicity of the resurrection morning. Mary Magdalene makes her way to the tomb with Simone and, and Mary, mother of Jesus, and they have burial spices, and they're ready to anoint the body of Jesus. But oddly enough, the stone is rolled away. That's odd. And they're looking in, and, and one of the angels declares to them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And then they saw him, the resurrected Jesus. And so this morning, we are not only proclaiming his death and his suffering, and his burial, but also his resurrection from the dead, that, that we together have a shared hope in the resurrection of Jesus, that we ourselves who were once dead are now alive through Christ. Because he has risen, we have spiritually risen, and when we breathe our last in this life, we will physically rise to be with him in glory forever. Amen? Amen. Significant tables that we're going to be gathering around this morning. So when you get to the table, you'll see there are two cups and one below is the bread and above is the juice. And we're going to pray together and then I'm going to encourage you to make your way to the tables to have communion as a family. Uh, and if you are, are preferring to stay seated, we will have guest services. So you just raise your hand and we'll make sure the elements are brought to you where you are sitting. So Lord, thank you. There is, there is nothing greater than you, Jesus. In our salvation together, that Lord Jesus, we worship you and we remember what you've done for us. That on the night when you were betrayed, you took bread and you broke it and you gave it to your disciples and you took a cup and you gave it to your disciples and, and you told them and you tell us that the bread is symbolic of your, your broken body, the cup is symbolic of your shed blood. Lord, this is a picture tangible. We touch, we taste, we remember the gospel that our hope is in you, Jesus, your suffering on the cross, your burial and your resurrection. And Lord, we proclaim it. Lord, we are not ashamed of your gospel. We know it is the power of salvation, that salvation you worked at the moment we believe, the salvation you continue to work in us, and the salvation we will ultimately experience in eternity. And Lord, we approach you today with our feet firmly here at in this life. And Lord, we approach you with, with all of 
the things of this life. We ask this morning a fresh cleansing of your gracious, gracious forgiveness. We seek you, Lord, for the forgiveness of our sins fresh and anew, that if we confess them to you, you are faithful and just to forgive us. And in that forgiveness, we give to you what we give to no one else. We give you our worship and our awe and our adoration, and then you give to us what no one else can. You give us our worth and our value and our significance and our purpose, a fresh filling of your spirit. And so, Lord, freshly cleansed, we approach the tables together. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You're invited to the tables. Enjoy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Doesn't our worship team do a wonderful job every single week? I mean, really, it just gets better and better and better. Thank you, Kathy Burke, our fearless worship leader. Uh, every single week gathering together a great group of volunteers. All of our musicians and singers are volunteers. They give up time during the week along with our AV team. They're here on Thursday nights. They're here preparing. They're here early Sunday morning. It's wonderful stuff. Well, this morning we're going we're gonna to take our offering right before we watch our announcements for the week. And this is our opportunity to tangibly take resources and devote them unto the Lord. So with that in mind, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege that we have of serving you and worshiping you through our giving. We thank you for providing for us the opportunity to be of service in giving. We ask that, God, you would abundantly bless our offering this morning, that you give us wisdom on how to use it and invest it for, Lord, your kingdom to expand here on earth, that we get to be a part of that work that is happening globally. Uh, and Lord, we get to leverage these resources you've so blessed us with uh, for something greater than ourselves as we join them together. Please bless our offering today as we give it in worship. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, ushers, come on down, and uh, we'll be passing the baskets this morning. This Saturday is our You Are Loved family event with bounce houses, lawn games, live music, and more. And it's not too late to sign up to help. July 30th will be a volunteer information and appreciation dinner, and all donations are due at that time. So sign up soon on the event page of the website and help us show the community that they are loved. Saturday morning, July 3rd at 9 a.m., Start the day off right with a family-friendly obstacle course brought to you by Camp Gladiator Trainer Joe Rodriguez. Registration begins at 8.30 or you can register online in the event page. As always, for more information on these or any of our other events, go online to firewheelfellowship.com events or you can always check us out on social media. We live in the age of the selfie. The selfie is a way of seeing ourselves, while at the same time portraying a picture of ourselves to the rest of the world. When we look into the scriptures, we get a clearer picture of who we truly are through our relationship with Jesus. Who we are is no longer who we used to be. In Colossians 3.10, we are told to put on the new self. In this series, we're gonna see how. We're gonna look at the difference that grace makes what it means to have a new mind, and what it means to truly live a new life. It's time for us to take a new selfie, a new way of seeing ourselves, and a new way in how we portray ourselves to the rest of the world. 
Yep, that is our series, and uh, we are in the final message this morning. Uh, but before we get to that message, I, I just want to brag on you as a church and some of the things that we have over undertaken, overtaken, undertaken uh, over the last few months. This is incredible. So I guess this would be back in April, and we, we took a vision walk. How many of y'all remember the vision walk? Remember where we walked around and we saw things? And one of the things that we saw was we saw our community, like our literal neighbors, and I believe it's semi-biblical for us to love our neighbors. Do you all agree? Is that biblical? Yes, it is. And I do believe that it is our responsibility as ambassadors of Christ, it is our responsibility and our extremely high privilege of taking the love of Jesus to our community. Do you all agree with that? Yes. So our, our thinking was, well, how can we tangibly do that? Well, the first thing that we decided that we were going to do is we were going to send out a postcard to 1,250 homes that just simply said you were loved. Do you all remember this postcard? And so this went out. You all invested in re your tangible resources, and this went out to 1,250 homes, and it was inviting people to movies on the lawn and to our July 3rd event. We were able to connect with people literally in our neighborhood and then through this. Then we sent out this. This went out to 4,900 homes. In fact, can I see a map real quick? So this is phase one and phase two of our literal neighborhood. Right now, it's just a map. Oh, there it is. Okay, so you'll see in blue, that is 1,250 homes. And you have the greater perimeter here. This is from Merritt all the way up to George Bush, down to 66, over to Castle Drive or Dexham and up to Castle. And this is kind of our target area. We, we, I believe, should be strategic in our undertaking of ministry. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the outermost parts of the world. That's strategy. Okay? Acts 1-8 is a strategy. And so we're undertaking gospel strategy to literally reach our neighborhood. And so this is a group of 4,900 homes. They received this postcard. That would be last week. And on top of that, we have a Facebook ad that's going out, and that has been seen by a couple thousand people, and we're going to go ahead and send that out again, inviting people to the July 3rd event. And the purpose of the July 3rd event is so that we can tangibly show our community that they are loved and that we can earn the right to share the gospel with them. And the gospel will be proclaimed at this event. I strongly encourage you to invite and bring your friends. So, yesterday a group of 37 some odd or more people. Can I see this picture of this wonderful team? I'm going to call you all the outreach team. Isn't it wonderful to be a part of a team? Yeah. So check this out. This is crazy. Crazy to see how things like unfold and how God brings things about. So we, you, you know, God will give you at times these, these visions of things and you, you go, I wonder how that's all going to work out. And I can't figure it all out. But as God unfolds it, it just works out. This is crazy. So Armando Banda, one, one of our leaders here at the church, he was the one who organized the, the outreach. So last Sunday, we as a church in classes, we packed 750. Was that 750? Armando, how many was that? 800 bags. And, and we did. And it was our great room class that I think knocked out majority 800. The other two classes did like 50. No, that's not true. But the great room, y'all rocked it. In fact, all our classes rocked it. Um, so in the bag was a bracelet, piece of candy, and an invitation to the July 3rd event. So yesterday, uh, volunteers, our outreach team, came together, and Armando gave us our maps and gave us our places. And in a matter of like an hour, 600, 700 homes received this bag on their doorstep or on their door handle, and that would have been what they woke up to and received this morning. Isn't that rad? Or yesterday morning. 
and we're all a part of that. And then we have this like amazing team that is putting together this amazing July 3rd event, and we're all coming together as a church. This is exciting stuff. Did y'all agree? So I just want to say thank you to volunteers and, and you who have been praying and supporting and investing. Uh, it's amazing. And we are making connections with our community and with our literal neighbors. And I cannot wait for this coming Saturday. Uh, come out in the morning. We're going to do a workout with Joe Rodriguez. That's Joe back there with Camp Gladiator. We're going to get our pump on. And uh, then we're just going to party the afternoon away, live music and all that good stuff. And before you leave today, we have about 100 and change bags left. They're at the front doors. And so here's my encouragement. As you leave today, why don't you take some bags and drop them off on your neighbor's doorsteps so that people who live around you can receive a bag that tells them that they are loved. That sound good? So as you leave today, make sure you grab some of these bags. All right, let's open our Bibles. Everybody say word. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to read the passage because I, I want us to read the passage as it sits in the text, and, and then we're going to break it down because today we're talking about and discussing what does it mean for us to live the new life. Now for me, I can remember the old life. Okay? And, and I can remember the old, old life. And, and we talked a little bit about that. My own personal story last week that I have the old, old life and I have the old life and now I'm living the new life. And what that looks like. And what that looks like to live out that new life in an authentic, growing spiritual life with Christ. So Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 9. In verse 9, uh, do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and you've put on the new self Which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator Here there is not Greek and Jew Circumcised and uncircumcised barbarian Scythian slave free, but Christ is all and in all that in Christ We are one body Verse 12, in view of all this, in view of who we are in Christ, put on then, and listen to this, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. How many of you woke up this morning and looked yourself in the mirror and said, I'm chosen, holy, and loved? It's the reality of who you are in Christ. This morning, I am chosen, holy, and loved. That's wonderful. Uh, put on then compassionate hearts, live like you really are in Christ, kindness and humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, does anybody have a complaint against somebody today? Nah, I don't have any complaints in this house. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Boy, that's pretty strong, isn't it? And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That love is the glue that holds the church together. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And be what? Thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That is the word as is being taught this morning. Let it make home in your heart teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Didn't we just do that? 
Uh-huh. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. We're actually living the scriptures this morning. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wow, that's a lot, isn't it? And we'll see this morning as we go through this passage, as we break down this passage, what, what is, a, is a mouthful and what is a lot to take in is it's really a progressive growing spiritual life. And you're not going to master it all in one message. Okay, so we're not going to walk out of here and like immediately be able to perfectly implement everything we're going to read this morning, but it, it's the target. This is what we're striving for. Through a growing and in, in intimate relationship with Christ and through a growing spiritual life more and more, these characteristics should be evident in our life. And, and really what we've seen over the course of this study together and taking a new selfie is who we were is no longer who we are. There, there, was, there was a person who we were, and, and Paul's going to call that the old self, and, and that, that is something that is to be in the past, but we are now to live the new self, the new life. And in this reality that we were once dead in sin, now we're alive in Christ, we were once eternally destined to death, we are now eternally saved, and we were once under the authority of the evil one, we are now sat with Christ in the heavenlies. That's significant stuff, that who we are is no longer who we were. And so we have to ask ourselves, what does it look like when we live out the new life as opposed to the old life? Now, this past week, I had the privilege of spending time with my boys. We went to scout camp. I uh, got three scouts uh, and two cubbies, but three Boy Scouts. And we went to scout camp, and it was awesome. And, and it was at Camp TRJ in Athens, and, and, and it was hot. <laughs> oh, man. Sleeping in a canvas tent, delicious. You know, like tent slash sauna. Um, it was dusty and like muggy, but it was, it was awesome. We had a great time. Um, and I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of being around a group of, of scouts at camp, but after a couple of days, they could get funky quick. You know what I'm talking about? Some of them don't necessarily understand showers or the importance of showers or deodorant. And in fact, at one point, I was in a, a, a communications class with, with one of my sons. He was delivering a speech, and I was sitting in there. It was a closed room, and this kid next to me, he smelled so bad. I was literally like shoving orange peels up my nose just to, just to make it through the class. And at one point we were swimming, uh, this is the end of the week, and a kid popped up next to me at the pool and I'm sitting on the edge of the pool and he looks over at me, he goes, you know, this is the first shower I've had all week. <laughs> la, 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 la. That's what I was swimming in. Boy Scout filth, just mmm. Little water fountain going out. Anyway, uh, but what it, it showed me is at times we had to walk up to some of these boys and, and young girls and go, hey, look, um, oh, you need a shower and change of clothes, like ASAP. And, uh, and, and Paul's going to say for us as believers, there's times where we get funky and we get funky quick. And we may be eternally saved, but we can still be spiritually sick. And there's times where we got to set aside, we got to be cleansed and walk away from this old life and then put on the new. Colossians 3, verse 9. Colossians 3, verse 9, Paul says, put off the old self with its practices. And when he says put off, it's a cool word, actually. Because it's referring to literally taking off articles of clothing. Like, take off those old stinky garments and, and put on something fresh and clean. He says, put off the old self with its practices. And, you know, really we have to ask the question, what is the old self? You know, what is that old self that Paul is referring to if we're to take it off with its practices? Well, 
What he's doing here is he's reminding, reminding the church at Colossae and us today as believers that, that what we used to live, like the life we used to live, our pre-Christ life or our pre-devoted life, because I realize that some of us have grown up in the church and you have known Jesus your whole life, but there was a point where you really committed your life to him. And there was a life that preceded that commitment or preceded receiving Christ as your Savior. And, and there is a way that that life was described. Now, for the church at Colossae, they were all brand new believers. It was first century. So they had received the gospel. They were Gentile believers, and they were coming out of all sorts of lifestyles. They were coming out of all sorts of life. They were pagan worshipers and idolaters. Some of them were cult prostitutes and drunks and swindlers and political figures. And some were philosophically moral and ethical and others were religious zealots. And they were all coming together to live a new life. But to greater or lesser degrees, they all lived a life described in Ephesians 2. Remind, we need to remind ourselves of this. This is what we were, right? Like, and you were dead in what? Trespasses and sins. It's not just that we did sinful things, but we were spiritually flatlined. That is the message of the scriptures, right? In, in which you once walked. So we were shot through with trespasses and sins, and then it was evidenced by the fact that they were evidenced in our life, and we walked them out, and we were following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. What is Paul fleshing out here? He's fleshing out the old life. He's like, this is the pre-Christ life. And, and as we went through this last week, we saw some of those things, those old things that Paul will list out. What is the, the, the fleshly stuff? Like, what is the old life? Well, he lists out things like sexual sin and lust. That always seems to top the list. And I'm sure that has no application in our present-day culture or our present-day church culture, right? Right? Why is it always listed first? Why do you all think that? Why sexual sin? Why is that always listed first? Because that's one of the greatest spiritual sicknesses, or symptoms, really. Uh, greed and envy, which is idolatry. Gossip and slander. Well, we don't have any of that. Out of control anger. Slamming the steering wheel fits of anger. Filthy language. Lying and deception. Unforgiveness and resentment. Rudeness and unkindness. I always love this one. Disobedience to parents. Any students in here? Any youth, children? Drunkenness or any form of addiction. I always love it when someone's like, oh, I'm not addicted to anything. I'm going to go play Bejeweled for four hours. I check my phone 3,000 times a day. You know, these are only descriptions, really, or symptoms of a greater spiritual disease that we're all infected with. And what's crazy, the whole self-help movement, is we try to address symptoms, but we never get down to a spiritual solution to deal with the actual, the actual problem at the core of the being. And, and as I read through this list and as we think through it, I think we can all get kind of fidgety in our seats because we recognize that we're still on the list. 
And, and we're kind of conditioned in the church to constantly be reminded that we're still on the list. Like, I know who I'm supposed to be. I know who I shouldn't be. And wouldn't it be great if I weren't? But dang it. What am I supposed to do? I can't get off the list. I'm constantly on the list, and this must be how God sees me, constantly failing. I find it, I find it interesting that a group of people that should be the most free and should have the greatest picture of who they are in Christ and their true identity are some of the most shame-filled people and guilt-ridden people in the church. We have the cross and true forgiveness. And in fact, Colossians 3.10, listen to this as being your identity. Put on the new self, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, that there is a spiritual renewal that is available to us, that our identity is changed. There's something radical and significant that has taken place in our life, that there is a spiritual renewal where we can live the new life and not constantly see ourselves as the old life and not constantly live the old life. I think one of the troubling parts of the spiritual life is that at times there is not a discernible difference between the old life and the new. And what was once our old life is still our new life. And what do we do with that? That was, that was the troubling experience in my own spiritual life when I came to realize that, that my old life, many of the same attributes, the same characteristics, the same hurts, habits, and hang-ups that I had coming into Christ were some of the same issues that I had as a Christian. Like it didn't all go away. Like there is this often the sales pitch that when you become a Christian, everything's good now. Everything's in the past. And so we go into this weird, bizarro cycle of like almost denial and justification where we're like ignoring the glaring issues in our spiritual life that need to be addressed. Like God's like, I want to give you freedom. And this taking off of the old self and putting on the new. And for me personally, as I shared last week, I had to learn how to take off the old, dirty, spiritual clothes of my alcoholic, active drinking. It was my old clothes. I needed to live from a new spirit, that from the Spirit of God, that a fresh filling of the Spirit, that walking in the Spirit, you will not gratify the, the desires of the flesh, that when we're full of the Spirit, we will be full of love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that like the spiritual source. But the problem is, I didn't know how to live out that spiritual source or live out a spiritual solution. And so a couple of things had to happen. One, I first had to have an understanding or discover what alcoholism is. You see, I had a lot of misinformation and I had a lot of ideas of what it was, but I had to actually drill down and figure out what I was dealing with. And for some of us, we got issues, habitual things that keep going on, the sin cycle, the cycle. You just, it's like wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. And you're like, I don't understand, I don't understand, I don't understand. And I'm like, it's time to understand what you're dealing with. It's time to drill down and get to bedrock and try to figure out, like, what this thing is. 
And then the second thing I needed to do was learn how to apply and live out a real spiritual solution. This is going to sound strange, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but my experience, for the most part, my early spiritual life, when I boiled it down, was primarily intellectual. Here's what I mean by that. Coming into the church, I immediately grew in knowledge of scripture and doctrine and theology. I had a great teacher. My pastor was a wonderful teacher. And he taught me the scriptures as they sat in the text. I studied ancient languages and apologetics, the defense of the gospel. I studied Bible study methods, biblical archaeology, biblical philosophy. I studied church history, contemporary uh, uh, church trends and movements and culture. I, I studied teaching and preaching methods. I received extensive pastoral training. I graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary with a Master's of Theology. Did y'all know that? I'm a Master of Theology. Oh, you're not Masters? <laughs> you're just lay people. I'm a Master. I got a piece of paper on my wall that says that. But here's what's crazy. I may have graduated a Master of Theology, but I had a pre-kindergarten spiritual life. may have been a master of theology, but I had a pre-K experience in true spiritual life. And in fact, as I, I re-reevaluate, uh, here's what I confused, knowing about God to truly knowing Him and having a real living relationship with God through Christ. I was a spiritual parrot. And I repeated things. And I learned enough spiritual language so I could cover up what was actually happening beneath the surface. And I think in the church, we're being trained to be really good spiritual parents. Where we can articulate enough spiritual language that no one will know what's actually happening beneath the surface. And we live out the spiritual life of fake it till you make it. You know what I'm talking about? The great game of pretend. Which is really fun when you're little kids, you know? When we're pretending to be something. But in the church, it's spiritually death. So for me personally... I, I had to learn a real pathway for a real living, breathing, spiritual life. And, and I did that through 12 steps of recovery. And what's crazy is like I learned how to really surrender. I learned how to clean house and deal with stuff that I never wanted to deal with, swore I'd never dealt with. I bound it up and boxed it up and put chains around it, buried it in concrete, and then sunk it down into the ground. But then learning how to dig that up, deal with it learning how to really confess sins one to another, that there be help and healing, and, and learning how to really heal and be of service to others. And here's the miracle. I don't know how it works, but it just works. And living out a real spiritual life where I can be of spiritual benefit to others, where I'm not just speaking theoretically, which was a large percentage of my pastoral ministry, I was really good at pastoral theory and spiritual theory, but now able to speak from a real spiritual source. It's a significant shift. 
where I can now look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10 and recognize, oh, when when he references that renewal, he's talking about a daily spiritual renewal as Christ is the real source of my life, a living, breathing spiritual life. It's not just knowledge. Because if it's just intellectual, it's cold and it's rigid and it's academic. But we're invited into something far more intimate. A knowledge of God, but a knowledge of God on the experiential level. I once thought that God kind of tolerated me. Uh, or that he was kind of ashamed of me or disappointed. I thought God saw me the way I saw me. And I've come to realize what I see and what God sees ain't the same thing. Check out verse 12. Paul says, put on then. What is he talking about? He's talking about taking off that old, those old garments and you put on the new garment, put on the new life. As God's what? Tolerated ones? Put up ones? I, I just put up with you guys. I don't even know. What, what was I thinking with Jesus on the cross? Man, why'd I do that? No, that's not at all what it says. It says God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. When I stumbled across this, this is why I did this series. I went, what? And I immediately underlined, chosen, holy, and loved. And I wrote in my margin, I am chosen, holy, and loved. That's who I am today. That is who you are in Christ. That's who you really are. Now, that does not mean we're walking in the fullness of that, but that is who we really are. We really are chosen. When was I chosen? From the foundations of the earth. And for me, I was a kid that never got picked. Do you remember that when you lined up for their picking teams? And all of a, you know, you're picking, and then all of a sudden you're left with that kid, and you're like, surely, come on. And they pick him, and the other team just has to have you. And they're like, I guess we'll take Chris. I think some of us actually grew up and heard we were mistakes. We didn't plan you. You were an oops. And maybe that wasn't necessarily taught, but that was caught. And there's this rewiring of our minds that happens in Christ where we realize that we really have been chosen. And we really are holy. It's the Greek word hagias. Saints. Set apart. Holy ones. Like in the temple, there were things that were set apart for holy worship. Like you would not take a a basin or a bowl that was used for sacrifices. You wouldn't take it and pour Cheerios in it and eat it. Why? Because it was set apart. Well, in the same way, we're set apart. Like I'm holy today. I'm set apart for holy purposes. And then I love this. Loved. You know, I remember being able to say to people that you were loved, but... I secretly thought, but not me. How could God love a person as messy and broken as me? 
chosen, holy, beloved. I love that word beloved. I just kind of underlined both in my Bible, and I just went, be loved. Some of y'all just need to be loved today because you are loved by God. Paul goes on to say, as God's beloved ones, as God's holy ones, as God's chosen ones, we are to live a certain life. And really what this is, it's going to sound kind of like exotic Christianity because it's kind of foreign, but when we look at it, all it is, Paul is describing a growing spiritual life. That's all this is. So what is great about this, this picture is we're able to put our lives up against the scriptures that we're going to be reading, and if we see these things progressively happening more and more in our lives, what we can see is we have a growing spiritual life. Now, if we set our lives up and against these scriptures and we look at our life and we go, oh, these things aren't actually growing. In fact, they're not really present at all. Then we can look at it and go, okay, so there isn't a growing spiritual life. There's a spiritual breakdown. A growing spiritual life, Colossians 3, verses 12 through 15. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved ones, compassionate hearts. Compassion's a beautiful word. And really, as we go through this, this is describing Jesus. You're like, you know, what would Jesus do, all that? Like, live like Jesus? Well, here's the deal. You rub shoulders with Jesus enough, you're going to start acting like Jesus. And that word compassion, it, it essentially means concern for others. Like, there was a time where I was only concerned for self. And then all of a sudden, I find myself, like, concerned about other people. That's odd. What has happened? Something spiritual, right? How about kindness and humility? How about meekness and, and patience? I love meekness. It means being considerate and not being overly impressed with a sense of one's self-importance. That's meekness. I'm pretty important. But then in the spiritual life, it's like, whoa. No, I'm just a servant. Wow, what's happened? How about this? So he goes on to say, bearing with one another. That means enduring one another, putting up with one another, and, and not tearing down. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. You ever just forgiven somebody? You know, like something happens where you'd normally be like, I can't believe you did that. I would never do such a thing. Isn't that such a bizarre stance? Of course we would. What a weird self-righteous posture. But isn't it amazing when something happens and we look at that person and we think, you know what? It's not that big a deal. I've been forgiven. They owe me nothing. What a gift. He goes on to say, and above all these, put on love. There's nothing greater than love, which binds everything together in harmony, that when there's harmony, you can better believe there's love. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, that when we're peaceful inside, we're peaceful outside. Like, I remember the day where I was driving down the road and I found myself driving the speed limit, which was odd. <laughs> and all of a sudden, everyone else on the road weren't jerks. It was weird. And I remember, I remember talking with Madeline. Like, I'd be on the phone. I'm like, oh, I can't believe this guy just cut me off. And Madeline would be like, it's weird. I never have those issues on the road. I'm like, well, apparently you're driving around a really good group of drivers. But when I'm on the road, 
everyone else messes. But I remember driving down the road and this guy like totally cut me off and I just went, I can break. I was like, okay, something has happened. All that is is a growing spiritual life. I didn't wake up that day going, I'm going to be more patient today. I woke up that day and I spent some time in the scriptures and I took a posture of surrender and I just said, okay, today your kingdom, your will, and I want to be of service to others today. And it, there it was. Uh, Paul goes on to say, uh, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. All that is is gratitude. That's the beautiful posture of just being thankful for what we have and not focused on what we don't. Having a heart bubbling over with gratitude. Like, I have a lot of gratitude that I'm a part of a church like Firewheel. Like, I have a lot of gratitude. Like, I came in this morning and I was looking around and I'm like, this is pretty awesome. Yesterday, what a great team. We get to do stuff together. We're just walking around the neighborhoods. We're like, ah, I'm going faster than you. And I'm like, no, no, we, we're beating you. And a little competition to see who could shine the most love. I mean, it's crazy. Gratitude for my family. I'm like, what's happened? Something spiritual has happened. And that's all that Paul is encouraging us to, to live out more and more. And I think every message out of the scriptures, every time we gather together, what are we doing here? We're trying to grow spiritually. So we live more and more of Christ. Colossians 3, 16 through 17. Listen to this, how we grow. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That is, let the spoken word of Christ has it, have its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your being. Saturate yourself with the words of Christ. Saturate your life with spiritual truth. Wake up in the morning and, and find a devotional. Spend time thinking, meditating on. Be in a Bible study where you study Scripture. Grow in Scripture. Let it dwell in your life. Goes on to say teaching and admonishing one another. I mean, that's what we did this morning. We have teaching and we're encouraging one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's not just another song. It's spiritual. This is a spiritual thing that we're doing together as a body of believers with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And, and I love this. Isn't this a, this is a great marching order for the week. Can you put the Jesus stamp on everything you're going to do this week? Can you stamp Jesus' name on your work this week? Can you stamp Jesus' name on your, your parenting or your marriage or, or your driving? I love it when people say, I, I would put a Jesus sticker on my car, but I don't want to drive like that. What are we saying? There are some things that I, I can't put his name on. I can't put his name on my computer because of what I look at. I, I can't put his name 
on, on, uh, on my bank account or on, on these things in my life. I, I just can't. And that's the most wonderful place to be, to be able to realize like, whoa, there's things in my life I can't put Jesus on. That means he's revealing things and he's showing things. And he's like, come on into the light. Get out of the shadows. That's death in there. Come into the light and have life. Listen to this. Whatever you do in word or deed, holy moly, that's everything. Everything you say and everything you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God, the Father, through him, it's every day. And so like I said at the very beginning, this is a, it's just a lot. And really what it's describing is a growing spiritual life. That as we grow spiritually, spiritual things will happen, and spiritual things will start popping up in our lives. And so the invitation is obvious, come into the spiritual life. So a few spiritual recommendations for us this morning. The old life versus the new life. I love this list. Can you go ahead and bring up the, the list of the old life versus the new life? Just go ahead and just start clicking through them. So what's cool about something like this uh, is, is being able to put our lives up against that. And what's awesome is, is we can look at our life right now and we can kind of put it up against these things and we can be like, okay, so yeah, more and more of this is happening in my life. Okay, so these are things that are, that are of the Holy Spirit. This is a, a picture of a growing spiritual life. These are the things that are happening. But if I start looking over here and like, for example, I start feeling a lot of resentment. And I'm getting real upset and burned up about something then I can look at this and be like, oh, wait a second, that's the old stuff. And that's an opportunity to pray and say, Lord, reorient my spiritual life because I, instead of like resentment, I want to be forgiving. And, and this is just like a great litmus test. I want to encourage you to look at these passages not as, a, as a, a, somebody pointing the finger at you, you failure, you this, but start looking at this list and start saying, Lord, you're bringing about some cool stuff in me. This is beautiful. Like, if you find yourself concerned about somebody other than yourself, that's a miracle. If you find yourself forgiving, that's a miracle. Like, if you look at this and you, you find yourself, like, peaceful at a Walmart? <laughs> and you're standing there in line, and all of a sudden a person pulls out a checkbook, you're like, whoa, what decade? If you find yourself enduring in there, there's a conversation that person again is just lamenting and you find yourself not in a hurry and you're just there listening and you're like, I'm here for you. How can I help you carry that burden? That's a miracle. Gratitude, oh, it's beautiful stuff. So I love this list. I love being able to look at the scriptures and be able to put my life up against it and say, Lord, continue to have your work in me because he ain't finished yet. But he won't stop until we're perfected. Amen?
All right, second application or spiritual recommendation for us this morning. This is more like reorienting our minds to truth. You are chosen, you are holy, and you are loved. I realize it probably says a growing spiritual life behind you. But I want you to hear these three words, chosen, holy, and loved. That's who you are in Christ. So I want to encourage you this week, I I want you to write that down somewhere on your visor or on a mirror, uh, on a postcard, whatever. And I want, you to, I want you to orient your mind to that every morning. I want you to wake up in the morning and I want you to go, okay, Father, I approach you today and, and I'm reminded that I'm chosen, holy, and loved. How can I be of service to you today? That's a pretty simple prayer, isn't it? Yeah. And then a growing spiritual life. Well, y'all, that, that, it's, a, it's a pretty simple process. It means doing spiritual things every day. And, and it means doing them in such a way that you're not trying to get something, but you're just enjoying Him. Spending time in some scripture and spending time in some devotional material, spending time, and, and if you're wanting to know more, like you're sitting here and going, oh, I've never really had much of a spiritual life, and I, I don't really know how to do that. Out of curiosity, how many of y'all would be interested in a series of messages on how to practically have a more intimate spiritual life? Okay, so it's not a felt need. I guess it is a felt need, isn't it? So y'all would like that. Would that be helpful? That would be my privilege. I'd love to be of service that way. Thank you for allowing me to do that. All right, well, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your scriptures. And we thank you this morning for a, uh, a real growing spiritual life that is available to each one of us. And we're thankful and grateful today that in this, this life that you're not going to finish until you're done. And, and we're not going to be completed until we're in your presence. And then we're going to be able to spiritually grow forever. And so, Lord, today I, I pray that there would be a spirit of grace and, and not a, a spirit of judgment. I pray your grace and love would saturate every heart that is here this morning, that it, that it would saturate all who are watching. I, I pray that it would saturate our community, that there would be a grace and a sense of love and that, that, that invitation to come deeper into your presence. And today, I, I believe that at least one person today is ready to say, yes, Lord, I want to grow. I want to come into your presence. I want, I want to invite you into my life. If that's you today and you're saying, yes, I want to begin the spiritual life and and I want to invite Jesus into my life. And today you just feel like the Lord's calling you. I want us to keep our eyes closed and our heads bowed. But if you are here today and you want to begin a spiritual life in Jesus, I'm just going to ask that you raise your hand so we can pray together. If anybody, one person, amen, I see that. I see that. Okay, to you, raise your hand, look at me. Everyone else, keep your heads down for a minute. The Lord Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he is risen. And the Bible declares that all who trust in him and believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That through faith is where the spiritual life begins and through faith it continues. And so today, June 27th, 2021, Do you receive Jesus? Do you trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yeah, I see your head, yeah. Do you want to invite him into your life?
Well, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we invite you into our life. We ask for forgiveness for our sins. We ask for a filling of your Holy Spirit. We ask that our lives would be made new. Come into our life and make us new. Do the powerful work in us that we can experience a true, living, breathing, spiritual life. And I want you to know that through your own testimony, you have passed from spiritual death to spiritual life. You woke up this morning separated from God. You are putting your head down on your pillow tonight, alive in Christ. You are forever a son of the living God. And nothing can separate you from his love. Welcome to the family. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Now to you who received Christ, who invited him into your life today, please tell another believer. Let them know. Share that with somebody else today. Welcome to the family. So today is a, is a wonderful day, but it's also a sad day. We really say sad. Because today's the last day that Leah Newman's going to be with us. Uh, Leah Newman, can you please stand up? This is Leah Newman. She's been our children's director, children's pastor for four or five years now. Yeah, yeah just about. And she's retiring today. And so she is officially going to retire, moving out to East Texas with her family. That is Michael and the girls, and they are here to celebrate. And we're here to celebrate her and to say thank you. And so after the service, we're going to have a, a time to gather together in the great room to say thank you. And uh, Leah, you know you're going to be totally missed. But I'm excited for your new farming life out in East Texas, which is great. And that's really awesome to be retired, right? Yeah, 25 years of, of children's ministry. It's amazing. Thank you for your service. You are loved. Let's stand together. Now go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. And share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Till we meet again, same time, same place next week. And do not forget, family, you are loved. Now let's go celebrate Leah and the family and her new retirement. <laughs>